Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks Sea Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Jariev, and the Alvi children sitting ringside to my broken jaw, to my retirement fight, Nick Braccia. Nick, we went through a fight night. We didn't break it down last week. We didn't have an episode last week, but boy, did Sam Alvey decide the worst possible situation to bring his five kids to Nick, to watch him get absolutely brutalized in the first round, to watch him get his jaw broken. That is goddamn depressing, Nikolai. Yeah, I guess, but it's probably no more depressing than if most parents have their children come to work and see how their parents are doing. <laughs> I tend to think it's a hell of a lot more. I think it's traumatizing, Nikolai. Like, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want my daughter seeing me just getting the shit kicked out of me, dude. Like, that is absolutely traumatizing, dude. Like, I mean, it would solve a, it would solve a mystery for your kids about how your nose got that way. Well, that's fair, and that that is reasonable, and they could assume that this has happened multiple times before. But I'd rather them not. That footage is not available. But you, but you, but you don't, but you don't get touched though. No one, no one, no one can touch you with your with your speed and grace in the in the ring. Well, first of all, I've never said that. Second, I have very good defense, and and third, um, the one time I got my nose broken in a fight setting was actually in in training with a. It was a guy that was competing at WSOF at the time. Um, I think he landed a partial head kick on the very tip of my nose that broke it. But I broke my nose Whoa. a couple of times growing up, Nick. Once as a kid. Was it once in a street fight? Who was it? Justin Gagey? It was not was that the guy. It was not Justin Gagey. It was uh, maybe Joao Zeferino, if that's his name. I, be- I believe that's his name. Uh, he was actually a fairly successful fighter there. But Nick, that is not what we're getting into. We're not getting into WSOF or the PFL that it's turned into. We're going to get into UFC Fight Night Vera versus Cruz. This is a pretty high level bantamweight matchup that I'm fairly excited for, man. Like, this is five rounds of high-level mixed martial arts and two styles that'll come together, I think, for a pretty interesting matchup, like, both tactically and entertainment-wise. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this matchup, and I like both guys a hell of a lot. Yeah, man. I'm really curious to see what Dominic Cruz has left, and if Marlon Vera, who has had trouble uh, kind of going over that line of truly the elite truly beating the elite opposition, unless they're way, way uh, beyond their uh, beyond their prime, where Dominic Cruz, you know, I'm not sure that he's way beyond his prime. I, I, I think I think he's he's close to it, if nothing else. The question is the durability. The question is, can he avoid getting hit by Marlon Barrow over five rounds? I mean, that is what he's an expert at. But I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm fascinated by this one. Uh, Nikolai, this week, I'm not sure which one of us has the first pick. Let me quickly look at the last card. I had Magomed Ankalaev, and you had Michael Morales. I believe I had the first pick last week, Nikolai, uh, or the last event, at least the last episode. Uh, you're up. So the way it works is we take turns picking fighters on the upcoming card. Uh, a regular uh, pick is worth a point. If you get an underdog successfully of plus 150 or above, you get two points. An underdog of plus 250 or above, you get three points for that, Nikolai. Uh, you are currently trailing me. Uh, we tied on the last event, Nick. What's on your mind? What's your first pick, buddy? How many? Well, how many points am I down? I think you're down something like fourteen and a half points, Nikolai. Jesus. I believe I have ninety-four point five points to your eighty points. All right. You can Not do it. Great. You can close Not that great gap. Great at all for me. We're barely past the middle of the year, Nick. This is where you make your comeback. You are the Darren Elkins of this podcast, Nikolai. You always make it rough at the end. You always make a comeback. More handsome than Darren Elkins. Anyway, I don't know if I don't know if it'll be this year that I make a make the big comeback. Um, you know what? You clearly don't have the mindset of of Darren Elkins. Like, never mind. You're the worst. <laughs> oh man, there's a lot of underdog potential underdog money on the table. I just don't feel great about any of these dogs. Uh, I think I'm gonna kick off with. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll kick off with the flyweights. I think uh, Odi Osborne uh, has looked really good. Um, in his, I think in his last couple of fights, and Tyson Nam has never quite shown up. Uh, look, looking like uh, you know, like he's he hangs. He's doing okay hanging in the UFC, um, but he hasn't had a ton of hasn't had a ton of success. I think against opponents of Osborne's quality. So I'm going to go with Osborne. Uh, over Tyson Nam. I got to imagine this could be, a, I don't know if this is the last fight in Tyson Nam's contract or not, but I get the sense that it might be. 
Uh, Nick, I, I, I commend the pick. I, I think it's a little bit on the early side because Nam has the skill to win the fight. He has the power to win the fight. Ode Osborne doesn't have experience going very deep into a fight. But Ode Osborne is sharp, at least for the first couple of rounds before the gas tank starts to wane a bit. Tyson Nam doesn't have the output to take advantage of his power. Yeah, I, I tend to agree about Ode Osborne. I think he's really sharp. He's super fast. If you watch that matchup when he fought Manel Kopp, and that was his most recent UFC loss, um, Kopp is... Like a, like a pretty highly regarded flyweight. And I would say that Rory Osborne was winning that fight until Cop landed that knee. And honestly, that stoppage, I'm not super confident in it. Like he he kind of, he, he did, he caught a flying knee, Manel Cop did. He, he threw a flying knee, kind of grazed his jaw, hit his throat, and Osborne ended up on his back. And the referee just kind of jumped in, even though Osborne was initiating for underhooks. It was, it was kind of a weird thing. Osborne seemed fairly fine after considering he just took a big shot, so you know, not the not the most not the best uh, uh, stoppage there. And then he lost his UFC debut to Brian Kelleher, which is, I guess, not a lot to be ashamed of. Back in 2020, now two and a half years ago, um, I, I agree with you. It's hard to tell what Nam is. If Nam is going to be aggressive, then he can win this fight. Both of these guys have wins over Jerome Rivera and Zaruk Adashev, who are both kind of jobbers in the UFC. So neither guy's won, you know, any real high level uh, against any real high level opposition in the UFC yet. But Nam has faced the higher level of opposition overall. So again, a, a little bit early from my taste on this pick, but I but I hear where you're coming from. It is among the the, the top three in terms of odds. Uh, yeah, that's not surprising, I guess. Um, my, although again, Tyson Nam's getting disrespected a little bit here, in my opinion. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Martin Budai and Lukas Breski. Might be crazy for me to be picking a a heavyweight this early. In the night, they're not very reliable, but I am a believer in Martin Budai. I've seen him in his contender series bout. I've seen him in his UFC debut. I picked him in his UFC debut. You and I disagreed on that one. Budai is legit. Like the guy, the guy has just some solid basics. Man, he'll throw some heavy shots. He's got. He looks like a heavyweight. He hits like a heavyweight. He'll engage in that clinch and just and just tire you out with dirty boxing with serious power in those shots. Um, he's durable. He can take big shots. He has a solid chin, which is important for a heavyweight. Um, and Lukas Breski is just like a big kind of athletic guy who's not the most technical. He can hurt a guy that's and, – and, you know, finish a guy that's on a very, very low level. Budai, that does not describe Budai to me, even though it's crazy to have a, a kind of two newish heavyweights to the UFC be this far apart in odds. I'm picking Martin Budai as my first one. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go onto the main card at middleweight where we've got – um, again, big big odds here. I think these odds are too are too wide. We've got two middleweights coming off of losses, uh, Bruno Silva and Jared Mershart. But I did I really did feel like Bruno Silva acquitted himself well against Alex Pahea. He did a hell of a lot better than Sean Strickland did, for example. And Mershart's always tough, and he's got the subs. But I don't see him subbing uh, Bruno Silva, and I don't think he hits. Uh, I don't think he he hits hard enough to. Uh, to hurt Silva, so I think um, I think for, I think this is a fight where Bruno Silva can probably land uh, land a TKO. I just I don't see um, I see him being able to nullify Mirshard's strengths and to, and to just do more damage over time. Mirshard is a tough guy. He's got decent stand up for uh, for a, a southpaw. He's he's got pretty good ground game. He's got okay wrestling, right? But the problem is. He is super so he, slow. He's glacially slow, right? And he tends to rely on guys who get tired, where uh, let's say more athletic than him, but they're getting tired, and and he kind of takes over once that happens, right? That's not necessarily going to be the case with Bruno Silva. We saw Bruno Silva going in there uh, in a matchup against the next the next title challenger in the middleweight division. He's the one guy that went to decision with him uh, against Alex Pereira, and man, did he not only take major major shots and never stop trying. But he landed big shots, man. It was a competitive fight up until that third round, in my opinion, right? And granted, Mirshart might get top position, might be able to, might be able to uh, do some uh, slip something in there submission-wise. Bruno Silva has serious power in his hands. Um, he's faster than Mirchard. His takedown defense is good. If he gets in top position, I think he knocks Mirchard out uh, potentially from ground and pound. He's really that good from top position. Uh, I like Bruno Silva in this one. I think the odds are probably too wide apart. Mirchard is the kind of dog that comes through in these exact situations. Um, and, and we've seen it, you know, a couple times in his career at this point, but I like, uh, I like Bruno Silva as well. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between, I know a lot of these matchups, uh, some of the odds are, are pretty far apart, but I'm not convinced by just the odds here. I think I'm going to go ahead and take 
Arian Lipsky to beat Priscilla Cachoeira. Cachoeira has a couple wins in the UFC. They're over really middling competition. She's got blown out of the water a couple of times. She's got beaten in competitive fights a couple of times. Um, she's a brawler. She has a decent chin and some cardio. I think she, at least at some point, was training with uh, Jessica Andrade's team. I'm not sure if that has continued to be the case. To be the case. Arian Lipsky, who has really good Muay Thai, who has really solid submissions over back, surprisingly so, right? Has shown a lack of heart in the past, has shown a lack of cardio in the past, has, has made some MMA IQ mistakes. It looks like she's putting her game together against this level of opposition. She hits really fucking hard. She's got solid Muay Thai basics. Um, as long as she's not, again, the pressure could work against her that Priscilla, Priscilla Cachoeira brings here. But I think Arian Lipsky also has the advantage in the ground game. So I'm going to take Arian Lipsky to beat Cachoeira in this uh, rebooked fight. Yeah, rebooked at a higher weight class, right? I didn't. I actually wasn't aware of that. That's interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if that favors Cachoeira. Um, yeah, because because of the, and I think didn't Lipsky miss weight last week? Let me Let me quickly look at this. It looks like Lipsky not medically cleared after missing weight. Wow, yeah, it's not a great sign. And this one really is. So it favors it favors Lipsky, if anything. Interesting. Uh, although Ketchwara is a pretty big girl for the division, too. All righty. I'm... Uh, you agree with the pick, by the way? Yeah, I do. I do agree with the pick. Um, man, the rest of this card gets a little... Gets a little weird. I'm... I'm gonna go with the bantam. I'm sorry, with the featherweight co-main event. I like uh, Nate Landwehr. He's an extreme. He's an extremely tough dude. I mean, he had that. He has a win over Ludovic Klein, which is awesome, and over the aforementioned Darren Elkins. Um, but he's taking on this young upcoming stud, David Onama, with the wins over Benitez uh, and and Garrett Armfield. He takes a little bit to get going. Onama does, but I think the Mason Jones fight showed us that he can he can hang and take a shot. I I think if I I think that if Onama, I also think he's he's a guy who's who's you know going to be one of those dudes who shows great improvement between fights. Um, it takes him a little bit to settle in the first round, and Landwehr is going to come out like a like a maniac. But I believe that I believe that Onama. Um, is gonna is gonna be a little bit smarter and a little bit uh, more ready in the first round. I think he's the prospect with the um, with the bigger upside. And while I think this while I think this will be a barn burner, um, I believe that Onama's got a better chin, and I think that's what it's gonna come down to. I think these guys are gonna both crack, uh, both land on each other. But I think uh, I could see Onama uh, with his pop um, being able to finish Landwehr. I actually feel like this is an underdog opportunity. As much as Onama seems like a talented guy, trains with uh, James Krause and the crew there, I feel like Nate Landwehr is a pressure swarmer, and that is who Onama lost to in his UFC debut to Mason Jones. Um, Mason Jones, about on par with Nate Landwehr, like like competition level-wise, and Nate Landwehr has more w- actual wins in the UFC, quality wins in the UFC. Short, no- short notice fight, though, mind you. Yeah, that, that's, that's reasonable, that's fair. I mean, Onama's a talented guy, but the way he was getting touched up by Gabriel Benitez before he threw a 15-punch combo, granted, late land where we've seen him get knocked out even by grapplers like like uh, Herbert Burns, right? So, like, not a great sign against a, a guy with Onama's power, but at plus 250, Nate Landwehr, man, like, he's a grinder. He never gives up. He never stops throwing offense. And I think, like, experience-wise, he's, he's a step above Onama. There's a good chance Onama wins this fight, right? But him being this big of a favorite is kind of crazy to me, so I see an opportunity for that reason. Um, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between... I guess I'll take... Wait, just to be clear, is that a, is that a betting opportunity or, or a picking opportunity? Uh, well, f- with our odds, right, at plus 250, you get three points if Landwehr does win the fight and you pick him. Um, I would say it's it's an opportunity on both ends. Not not something I would I would invest insane money into, but Nate Landwehr is a fucking dog. And for him to be, like, this disrespected against, like, an up-and-comer who's shown, you know, in two of his three UFC fights against Mason Jones and Gabriel Benitez that he can be he can be outstruck at least, right? Granted, against really good opposition— Garrett Armfield is not exactly a high-level fighter that, that he has that he has that kind of clear-cut win over. Um, I just feel like Nate Landwehr's like he's he's got the miles, he's shown, he's got the resume where he could potentially win this fight. Plus two fifty is disrespectful to him, so I think it's something worth taking advantage of. 
Next pick for me is going to be in the Gabriel Benitez Charles Charlie Ontiveros fight. Benitez hasn't shown the durability he's had in the past, uh, and Ontiveros at plus two ninety five is somewhat appetizing because he's powerful. He's long, he's going to be way taller than Benitez, but he's kind of a jobber. Charlie Ontiveros is right. The moment the fight hits the ground, I'm hoping Gabriel Benitez is smart enough to bring it there. Um, it's going to be all Benitez. He's going to be able to do whatever he wants the way that Charlie has gotten thrashed a couple of times in his UFC career so far. If I'm not mistaken, Charlie is winless in the UFC. Is that correct? He might he might possibly have a win over some low-level opponent. But 11-8 record against 22-10, and 10, but that 22-10 and 10 has been earned against the, about as high-level competition as it gets. Um, so I, I'm going to take Gabriel Benitez to finish Charlie Ontiveros. But Ontiveros, again, he's got power. He's shown that in his first couple UFC fights or at least the second UFC fight, um, he can he can hurt guys if they're standing in front of him, and, and Benitez is not as durable as he used to be. So you're going with Benitez? I'm going with Benitez. With some trepidation. I'm going to go main event next. Go for it. And I do think that the odds are a little goofy on this, but I still... I still favor uh, Marlon Vera for a couple of reasons. I don't think he's going to get tired, and he does he does damage. Cruz does not really do um, does not really do a ton of damage, and whenever Chito Vera touches you, uh, he hurts you. And I just think over over twenty five minutes, I expect the I expect the first round to be pretty ugly for Vera because it always is. Um. But it's not like ugly against Dominic Cruz means that you get knocked out. You know, um, I suppose Cruz could try to get him out of there quickly with a submission. But I think, I think Vera and Vera, Vera age-wise is probably not as much, as much younger as Dominic Cruz as we may think, right? How, what's the age difference? Let me see. Uh, no, Vera's only 29. Cruz should be quite a bit older. I was eight years older, probably. I think Cruz is like 37. 37, exactly, yeah. That's, that's a significant uh, age difference, I would say. Yeah, well, the fact is, is that I think Cheeto Vera has never looked better. He's been in there with the Edgars and the Aldos. Uh, so there's no question about him him rising to the moment. Um, he's he's just he's brutal, man. He does, he does damage. It just takes him a round and a half to get going. And I think that the, I think that being in the five round fight actually suits him. And I don't see Cruz having the expos- explosiveness uh, at this point in his career to get the fight to the mat, where he may have a uh, an advantage. And on the feet, while he may land more, it's the I think it's the Cheeto shots that are gonna that are gonna cause the trouble that are going to you know that can take out a leg that can hurt. Um, that that could hurt Cruz, um, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Vera over five rounds of what I think will be a, a very exciting fight to watch unfold. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the pick. I think Dominic Cruz at this point, you're right. Him not being dangerous is a major element to this, right? He may have continued to have more success against elite competition at this point in his career if he had some danger. If there was a good chance of him finishing fights, and that was never the case with him, that seems to be an ingredient for the highest of levels at this point. Um, there are maybe maybe a couple of exceptions, but even Izzy Adesanya, who doesn't finish a lot of fights, he is he can be dangerous in the right circumstance if you get aggressive on him. Dominic Cruz, that's not the case. Marlon Vera has power in just about everything he throws. He doesn't have the best boxing, but it's improving. Um, uh, training with Jason Perillo uh, out in California is going to help with that, right? But his kicking game is solid. His conditioning is solid. His grit. The guy never gives up. He never stops trying no matter what happens. And he's getting into a flow. He's extremely dangerous with every goddamn limb is what it seems like. And he's also getting uh, like a higher level of MMA IQ over this experience and over this training that he's acquired over the last several years since he's left Ecuador. Dominic Cruz, his footwork is probably not going to be enough. Maybe he gets a couple of those takedowns where he grabs your right leg with his left hand and, and, and kind of throws that uh, underhook. I, I forget what that takedown is called. Maybe he gets one or two of those, but he's not going to be able to keep Marlon Vera down. I think Marlon Vera can do some serious damage, and I think that damage will wear on Cruz. We've seen Cruz have a susceptibility to leg kicks, given all the footwork that he relies on. And Marlon Vera is a really good kicker. He's going to throw plenty of those kicks, and I think he's going to make Cruz kind of pay for, for the footwork, which is only going to become harder over the course of that five-round fight. Um, for him to like stay evasive and avoid Marlon Vera. I do think, um, look, there's a chance Marlon Vera w- w- finishes this fight in, in, in kind of the, the second half of the bout, third, third to fifth rounds. Um, I also think there's a decent chance that Dominic Cruz kind of limps his way to a decision loss here 
where it's relatively clear but had some competitive moments. Uh, I like Marlon Berryhart. I just hope it's not going to be a, a, one of those UFC main events that's ruined by an injury prior or during the fight. I, I, I mean, unless it's a, you know, a clear-cut injury like Marlon Bear's leg kicks or something. Um, I, I'm very, very psyched for this one. I think I think you made the right call on this pick. My next pick is going to be, I think I think it's time to dive into some underdogs, Nikolai, because I think Angela Hill, plus 250 against Lupe Godinez, who hasn't really proven against any kind of mid- to high-level competition. We've seen Lupe Godinez lose a decision um, where she took a kind of a short-notice flyweight matchup a week or two after a UFC win at 115, and, and she lost to... Uh, a person who, you know, has several losses in her UFC career, right? Not exactly a world beater in uh, uh, Luana Car- Carolina. And a win over Luma Lugbumi is pretty good for Godinez. A win over Ariane Carnelosi, like she dominated her, but Angela Hill dominated and finished her, right? Carnelosi's not a high-level fighter whatsoever, has very, very little skill overall. Heck, she got taken down by Angela Hill. I don't know that it takes the, like, high-level wrestling of, of Godinez to, to take her down. And Angela Hill is on a three-fight losing streak. She lost... Five of her last six fights, right? Doesn't look very good on paper. The argument could easily be made that in those uh, in those six aforementioned fights, she should probably be four and two rather than one and five. And it's unfortunate because part of I think what's playing against her is that in close fights, Angela Hill doesn't tend to get the nod from the judges for whatever reason. And that might be where she loses this fight, right? But I don't expect Lupi Godinas to just take her down at will to outstrike her. Uh, whichever way she wants, the way she's been doing to this low-level opposition, right? You're coming off of uh, a fight against Amanda Lemos, who's overall looked like a world beater, um, and you are you, you, most people believe you beat her in the second and third rounds. Coming off of a fight against Michelle Waterson, a five-rounder, most people believe, well, a lot, plenty of people believe that maybe Angela Hill should have earned that decision. I thought Waterson Gomez probably uh, should have had the edge. Gadelia, most people believe she should have got the decision over, uh, you know, maybe a slightly better Gadelia than, than we've last seen. Um, Ashley Yoder, she's got a pretty dominant win over, right? She did lose to Tisha Torres and Virna Jandarova, who are truly, truly elite fighters. I'm not sure that Godinez is yet. I think she has the potential to be. Um, I'm taking Angela Hill for three points. I think it's certainly worth the rider at these odds. Um, I think her experience, the fact that she can potentially stay on her feet for the most part, get up if she needs to, and she should be okay standing, right? There's no reason to think that she'd get overwhelmed by Lupi Godinez, who's going to be the shorter fighter. Uh, Angela Hill has, I think, a three-and-a-half-inch reach advantage, that will play a factor here as well. Her experience at the highest, highest level will play a factor. If you think Virna Jandiroba's uh, takedowns are scary because she's incredible on the ground and finishes really high-level opposition, Lupi Godinez is not on that level, man. Uh, like, she might be a slightly better wrestler accomplishments-wise, but she's not the grappler that she that is uh, Virna Jandiroba. This is a huge step down in competition for Angela Hill, and for that reason, I'm going to give her the edge. I think a competitive fight could go her way if the judges uh, don't continue to have this grudge against her. Yeah, I saw an opportunity here, too, and probably should have taken it. We've seen Angela Hill uh, have extremely competitive fights, at the very least, as this big of an underdog, and this is not a fighter that's... Against, against bigger competition. The question yeah. is, coming off, of getting like getting wrecked by the judges this many times, being far, you know, having gotten almost, like, close to a title eliminator, um, where, you know, where she had to compete against fighters at this level. But, like, a, yeah, being a... a being a plus two seventy five underdog is is quite disrespectful. Yeah, so and I think we, you made look, I think you made a I think you made a good pick here. It could come it could end up uh, really wrecking me. Um, I'm gonna pick an underdog in my next fight, but not an underdog um, big enough to score me any points. I like Demond Blackshear uh, over Yusuf Zalal. Listen, we were high on Zalal. He came out, he had three wins in the OC, and then he lost three or four wins in the OC, and then he lost three in a row. He hasn't fought in a little over a year, I don't think. Um, really good kickboxer, exciting guy, great personality, young, but just not very physically strong. And he could not get back up um, when he got taken down. Uh, Damon Blackshear in his fights, mostly I think in Cage Fury, he's a submission guy. He gets a lot of rear naked chokes. He can get people to the ground. Um, and I think he's got... You know, I think he, he certainly has a striking to hang. I just don't know that in a year Zalal could have um, made up for the strength differential that's that's really uh, causing him trouble in his in his UFC career. So he's getting a guy who's making his debut, and I understand that Zalal is a little bit the favorite. I just 
until I see it almost it almost seemed like once the um once the game plan was out on how to beat Zalal that like it got it got easier and easier for fighters uh to follow it even even like lesser caliber fighters um so I I don't like it's there the blueprint's there for Demon uh for Demon Blackshear I'm not as confident in Demon Blackshear as you are although you know I I'm not, I'm not extremely confident this yeah. is a fairly late pick no, I, I do hear that, but but you know, I, I feel like Yusuf Zalal's UFC experience will go a long way. He's faced the likes of Ilya Taporia, Sung Wachoy, and Sean Woodson in his last three fights. Granted, all three losses. Sean Woodson fight was a split decision. I think it was a clear win for Sean Woodson, if I remember correctly, but it was competitive. Sung Choi, who like was looking good there for a while, he did decision him, and that is concerning, right? Like it seems to be the bigger, more physical guys. Ilya Taporia is just a physical monster. He's a tank. Uh, has elite skills seemingly everywhere. Not a whole lot of sh- no shame whatsoever, I'd say, in losing to him unless you're an elite fighter yourself. Sung Wu Choi, um, you know, is a large, powerful man who's hard to take down and hard to outstrike. Um, I think you're right. It's an athleticism and power and and strength issue for Zalal. I'm not sure that he'll be that far behind Damon Blackshear in that department. If you've seen Blackshear like dominate some like smaller guys who are you know jobbers on the local scene. Like you can gain some confidence over him, but the guy's taken his UFC debut against an experienced opponent who won his first three fights in the UFC. Granted, he's only 3-3 three and three in the UFC, right? Didn't beat the highest level of opposition. I'm not convinced that Damon Blackshear is the highest level of opposition. I think Yusuf Zalal's experience, um, hit, like he's a kind of a jack-of-all-trades, and I don't know that Damon's ability to just get top position and, and control is going to be enough against Yusuf Zalal, who's crafty just about everywhere, and I think his his um, uh, like jack-of-all-trades situation will work out against a UFC debuting fighter Who's not lighting the world on fire, in my opinion? So I disagree with the pick, but but I I see why you made it. The odds are close for a reason on this one. My next pick is going to be another underdog play, Nikolai. I'm going to take Nina Nunes at plus 150 uh, on a couple of sports books to beat Cynthia Calvillo. Um, Nina Nunes, who tr- who is the partner and and trains with Amanda Nunes, I had some concerns right leading into leading into that uh, last matchup where they were first scheduled against Cynthia Calvillo, but Cynthia Calvillo quit on the stool her last time out she is on a losing streak she has not been looking good and the person that she quit against isn't exactly lighting the world on fire either right like this is a person that has lost to uh, since then um she uh, she lost to andrea lee jessica andrage caitlin shukagan not too much to be ashamed of right but if you look at her wins jessica i prior to that she has a win over and that was a pretty good fight i think if i remember correctly was that a five-round fight i thought that it may have been yes it's a, it was a five it was a five-round main event Courtney Casey, she has a win over uh, Poliana Botello, lost to Carla Esparza. She beat Joanne Wood. That's her only real decent win on her record, although Montana Del Rosa back in the day in 2017. Um, I just, I feel like she's in a bad place in her career. Ever since she left Team Alpha Male, everything seems to have fallen apart for her. Uh, I, I know she started training um, in at Tiger Muay Thai at some point, training in Vegas nowadays. That might be good for her, actually, training in Vegas. But the fact that she quit on the stool against Andrea Lee, the fact that she didn't want to get up and, and continue to fight, the fact that she was ravaged and just knocked out in the way that she was against Jessica Andrade, um, completely shut out by Kaylin Shugagan prior to that, right? It's getting progressively worse and worse for her. Andrea Lee is a, is a couple steps below Jessica Andrade and Kaylin Shugagan, and Andrea Lee made her quit on the stool, man. The same version of Andrea Lee that went into her next fight and basically kind of had just a terrible mental performance and kind of quit on herself against Viviana Rujo, even though it did go to decision. Um, I, you know, I, I don't believe in Cindy Calvejo. It's hard for me to picture her doing well. Hard for me to picture her in a good mind state against Nina Nunes, whose whose uh, partner Amanda Nunes just got the biggest win. They have their own training camp that's tailored around them. I would imagine that those coaches are focusing on just those two fighters for the most part, right? Pretty high level win by Amanda Nunes. Um, maybe it hurts Nina Nunes a little bit more than Amanda not to have all the training partners at American Top Team. But I'm going to pick Nina Nunes here. I think she can avoid takedowns. She should be the better striker. She's a taller woman in this matchup. She's a naturally bigger fighter. Granted, I think they both used to fight at 115. Nina Nunes has been filling out this 125 frame for a while. Um, you know, made a comeback after having her kid. Honestly, a little bit too short a notice against an elite opponent. Uh, you, you know, one of your one of your I think favorite fighters in the division in Mackenzie Dern, and she lost to Tatiana Suarez prior to that, Nick, in a fight that. Dude, she was piecing up Tatiana Suarez in the second half of that fight. Nobody's done that to Tatiana, who has a win over the current champ at 115. I like Nina Nunez at plus 150 to score a couple of points for me. I have deja vu all over again. 
since since he made this pick before for the exact right. same reasons. That's right. Even though Nina, um, Nina Nunes ended up not being able to show up to the fight, so you know there's some concerns. I, I think she had food poisoning or something, and that was just a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, I think. So again, maybe she's not fully recovered. Who knows? So I'm going to go with. I think there's only two fixed picks left. We kind of yes. got through this pretty quickly. Um, I'm going to go with Josh Quinlan. I know he's uh, coming off of the Contender Series, but he's got some pop. He's got a lot of first-round knockouts. And Jason Witt's a guy that, as we've discussed previously, like good fighter, really suspect chin. Um, so he's going. He's going in there against a dude who finishes fights early and has some pop. I just I got to believe Quinlan finds the finds the mark. So Nick, I have two fights left besides this one. It's the Devin Clark and Yasmin Oh, you're right. Jirgui you're right. I know. I also forgot the Yasmin Yaraguay versus yeah. I- Yasmin Lucindo. So, so you are picking a Wit over Quinlan, right? No, no, I'm picking Quinlan over Wit. Got it. Quinlan over Wit because you th- you think he's going to be able to outstrike him. Um, I-, I tend to agree with you on the pick. Like, I think Wit's pressure can work against Quinlan. Quinlan's like mainly like a one shot, uh, kind of one one punch at a time pot shotter. He's got a six and zero amateur record, five and zero record in the pros. Um, he looks well put together out there. Like he, he looks, he's got the basics. He doesn't take too many risks. He he lands pretty hard on the counter. My concern is that uh, Jason Wick can just pressure and grind on him, especially given his UFC experience, given the fact that I believe this fight was taken on short notice by Josh Quinlan on uh, for. August 6th, and here we are a week later. The fight was rescheduled, right? So, like, only a week or two to prepare for this level of opponent. But with Jason Witt's chin, certainly possible. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's not a backpack. For some reason, this wasn't on my list, Nick, uh, uh, on my list of fights, even though I, I did look into this fight and and, uh, and research it. Um, this was your sixth pick. So there's only two fights left, Nikolai. And, um, and basically, we have Devin Clark versus Azamat Murzakhanov. Uh, in which I'm somewhat confident in, in my pick. Then we have Yasmin Juragui versus Yasmin Lucindo. Where that one will be, mm-hmm. only one of the picks will be official, right? The yeah. other will be a tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, exactly. So, so I'm trying to decide. Here's the thing. Yasmin Lucindo, who's a minus 245 favorite over uh, Yasmin Juragui. By the way, just about the same first name. They're just spelled differently. Um, I, I just feel like Yasmin, who has decent counters, doesn't really throw first on the shorter side. Gets top position and keeps it and tends to pound girls out from there. Yasmin Jaragui has some really solid fundamentals, a variety of weapons standing. Um, not that easy to take down. I, I think I'm going to take the underdog at plus 186. I think I'm going to take Yasmin Jaragui. What we've seen in a lot of these uh, uh, women's fights is that despite the odds being wide apart, they tend to be competitive, they tend to be close. And I think with these two UFC debuting fighters, who knows how the lights and, and all of that are going to affect them. I'm going to take the underdog and take the right on her, even though I'm less uh, a little bit less confident in this pick. I'm going to take the right arm 14 and a half points ahead, right? I, I, I can take some risks. I can take another underdog, and that's what I'm going to do here. That's three underdogs for me on this event, Nick. I'm thinking maybe one of yeah, them will count. Yeah, I know. You're just like, your figure is so far ahead. You're just taking half-court shots all day. Not right? half, these are these are three-pointers, Nick. I'm not just like, I'm not like, uh, I, I think a half-court shot would be more along the lines of, let's say, uh, let's say Charlie Otaveros over Gabriel Benitez. You know, half-court shots are, are fights, uh, like Gerald Mearshart maybe, where, the, where he has slightly lower odds of beating Bruno Silva. I think there's some logic to these. Like, I'm, I'm taking some... Yeah, I agree. Shots I, I agree. You're not... I think you're squinting and you see possibilities, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, not, you're not playing exactly. drunk. No. And then that last fight is a tough one. You've got Devin Clark coming out. Do you have out any opinions big... on that Juragui-Lucindo uh, fight? No. <laughs> Poof, <laughs> um, Devin Clark Azamad Murzakhanov is really fucking t- difficult to call. Um, I mean, if it comes down to it, we have to add that pick. I guess I would take uh, Murzakhanov, but Devin Clark look, did look really, really good last time out. I am picking the underdog in that one, too. It's too bad he's not a two-point underdog. Uh, I, I would pick Devin Clark. Uh, I think Azamat Murzakhanov, I, I picked against him in his UFC debut, and to be honest, it was looking like I was exactly right until he landed that flying knee out of nowhere against uh, Ensujukwi, I think his, his name is. Um, he was losing that fight, dude, like, by all means. I know he has a Dagestani-ish name, but that doesn't mean he's that high level. doesn't have much of a gas tank. Um, he, you know, he, he throws big shots, but, but his output wanes over the course of a fight. He's not... 
defensively that that very good. His offensive wrestling is not incredible. Devin Clark is going to be the better wrestler. He's got way, way more experience at a high level. Um, and, and I think, like, as long as his chin holds up and he can just stay in the face of Azamat and pressure him the way that he tends to do, Azamat's going to be exhausted and he should be able to walk away with the win here. Azamat might, like, he's still undefeated, right? So he might just figure out a way to land that one shot at some point in the fight that, that turns the tide and wins it for him. But I've got Devin Clark in this one. I, I like his experience, his wrestling. Um, yeah. And, and the What's fact it? that he's actually improving somewhat. It's interesting that um, Mirzakhanov fights out of uh, out of Fairfield, New Jersey, which isn't too far away from us. A place called K Dojo Warrior Tribe, and I look at their fighter list, and it's almost ex- exclusively uh, a Russian gym. There's yeah. it is there's an Israeli fighter Yanal Ashmov, um, and you've got Shamila Ismailov uh, out there. But yeah, largely. Um, Largely Russian gym up in up in New Jersey. Do you know about this gym at all? <laughs> K, K Dojo, I've definitely. Uh, there's definitely multiple of these kind of Russianish fighters who've come into the UFC. Let me quickly see who they have in their camp here. Definitely a few of these guys from K Dojo who've competed in the UFC. It's interesting. I'm not seeing Islam Makayev. I don't think that's one of those guys. I'm not seeing a lot of super familiar names, but I'm pretty sure they've got. You know what? There are multiple K Dojo fighters. I think that switched. Over to uh, over to other camps that are kind of in the area, like Hensel Gracie's and uh, and with Mark Henry and and, and that crew. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that at some point, um, by the way, this is like fairly close to me. I should go over there and train with these guys. That is interesting. I have the name for it, Nikolai. I'm just saying. I'm gonna blend right in. You may have you anglicized your name. I, I can. Uh, well, I, I changed the spelling, but but you're right. It, it doesn't have the D Z H in it anymore. There's no three consonants. Yeah, I get. Yeah, you didn't change the spelling. Out. I don't think. I don't think I would say that you anglicized it. That wasn't. <laughs> How dare you, Nikolai? <laughs> Mother fucking dare you. So yeah, K Dejo's had some fighters come through the UFC. Some some. Oh, Alexander Yakovlev is another guy. Didn't realize it was a Jersey-based guy. I'd always assumed that. Look K. at Dojo me bringing knowledge to you. Yeah, look at who knew, who knew you had it in your neck. I'm gonna quickly look this up. I'm gonna see how far this place is for me because maybe I'll get some training with some with some uh, mid to high level Dagestani ish folks. Let's see. I'm gonna look this up, Nick, live on air. This is so exciting. This has got to be so exciting for our for our uh, few dozen listeners, Nikolai. Two sixty four Passaic Avenue. Show it to me. Show it to me, Googs. Fairfield. Oh, this is, I mean, I, my internet's never been slower in my entire life, Nick. I don't, I don't know I don't know how this is taking this goddamn long. Uh, it's a 27-minute drive. Not bad, Nikolai. Maybe I will get some training done there. Maybe they won't let me through the front door. In any case, Nick, that'll do it for this card. Um, and, and just quickly, if, if you have just a couple of minutes to, to uh, talk about the last card, I mean, Jamal Hill, sweet dreams. He's the real fucking deal. And he came through, man. He looked, he looked pretty fucking. Smart. He is. Did, I, did he look technical? No. Was it a brawl at times? Yes. Were they missing a shitload? Yes. Because if, if each of them had landed, it probably would have been no more knockouts. But he took a couple of those looping power shots from Santos that a lot of people, including Jan Blahovich, were not able to take. Um, and he didn't look any worse from where he was tired, but showed that he was going to persevere through it and push through it and get that win regardless. Which is a great thing for me to see in a in a prospect, as we've seen with guys like Fiziev. So really impressed with this guy, man. Yeah, he's he was super good. I his takedown defense. I still wonder how he's gonna how he would do. You know, I probably I would probably feel better about him going up against a Yuri Pachowska, a, a Volkan Ozdemir, a um, oh geez, who was I just gonna say? What other contenders? Maybe Jan Blahovich? No, I think I think Blahovich and Tashera are tough out are tough outs for him. I mean, they're Much tough, tough for anyone, tougher outs than a Dom, than a Dom Reyes and Ozdemir or a Prochaska. Um, I could see that. Um, so, but I still th- and I think probably the next the next fight for for Hill. Um, I like I like him fighting a returning Dominic Reyes. I think that's a good fight. I feel like that's below where he's at at this point. I mean, he, he's trying to fight for either a, a contender fight or or for the title next. I, think I mean, Dominic Reyes has only lost to the to the current and former champion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, his losses he's, are to John Jones and uh, yeah, to John Jones and Jerry Prochaska. And and Jan Blahovich and, and Jan Blahovich. All yeah. three, I mean, those those are three champions. Yeah, but it's three losses in a row. Not unlike Tiago Santos, who technically was coming off a win, but like that's a Tiago Santos level win. A guy that went up against John Jones and was very competitive, and then his career fell apart. 
Like, we just saw him do this. Look, I'm intrigued by it. I would like Jamal Hill to get a slower roll-up than anything because we've seen in this fight. Still got some holes. Still makes some mistakes, right? He, like, as much as it's good to see him win in the fourth round against the guy that's been five rounds a bunch of times, um, you know, condi- like, more experience than five-rounders, I think, would help him. So, I don't disagree with you. I think it's a good style matchup, but I think Jamal Hill's rushing himself a little bit uh, up that ladder because he's got six kids to feed Nick. Had his first kid when he was 16 years old. But I like this guy a lot. This is, like, a, a real, in my opinion, a, a serious prospect at 205, and I think maybe, maybe like, a higher-level team for him would go a long way. Um, even though he's done pretty okay with the with the team that he has, eleven and one record. Uh, he showed a he showed a lot of toughness, but a yacht or a Glover is going to be able to hold him down. I agree. And then uh, Joff Nailman over Vincente Luque, holy spectacular shit. performance! I thought he complete just completely dominated that fight. Yeah, I don't. Neil, I, I had something. Luque, I don't know if after that loss to Bilal Muhammad, which wasn't that long ago, but the thing we the thing that we have to acknowledge about Neil is. Once he had him on the ropes, holy shit, he went fatality. But even outside of that, we knew that Luke was always hittable, right? And Jeff sure. Neal's extremely fast, and he's technical. He hasn't been fighting the same way over his last couple of fights, and that was the concern. I mean, check, he was freaking arrested for a DWI like a week or two before the Santiago Ponzinibbio fight, right? Like, he was drinking. He, he had like a big controversial thing happen to him. Still came out with a close win there in that matchup, right? But... Could have been on a three-fight losing streak. And, Magni, and Magni's Magni. tough, especially if you're Magni's worried about Magni's tough, but, dude, if you're beating fucking up Vincente Luque, you should be able to beat Magni, right? So it seems like he was on a bad all, place. I don't know. It all, it all comes down to your to your takedown defense. like Right, Magni, and, and from what Magni's, we've seen from... That's what, Magni's really difficult with that. No, he is, but what we've seen from uh, what we've seen from Joff Neal is that like he's got solid fucking takedown defense outside of that Magni matchup, right? And Magni, uh, like in my opinion, not only lost the fight before Joff Neal to Michael Chiesa, in most people's opinion, lost to Max Griffin, even though he he picked up a win right after Joff Neal, and then he got dominated by Shafkat Rahmanov. So like Neal Magni's not at his at his best. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say. And Joff Neal clearly wasn't either. I think for Joff Neal, it's going to be a mental game. Um, he didn't, doesn't truly believe himself. He said in the post-fight interview that, like, now I believe I can be one of the best. Um, and he said, my coaches have been telling me, but, I, you know, I'm just like, oh, they're saying that because they're supposed to. Now I believe it. It seems like his whole team believes in him more than he does. And if you don't have that kind of self-belief and if you're not working on it actively, I don't know I don't know what his prospects are, but this was a spectacular win, man. It just seemed like Vincente Luque didn't know the very basics and his team. I don't know how they missed this. Put your lead foot on the outside of the southpaw's foot. And then your right hand will land, and his left hand will not. And it seemed like Joff Neal knew that he needed to keep his front foot, his right foot, outside of Luke's left foot, uh, his uh, Luke's front foot. And he landed that cross at will every time he threw it. Nick, it landed clean, and it landed hard, and stumbled Luke. And I, I don't understand how you're not that unprepared for a southpaw, given that you're supposed to be like a top five level fighter. It's like incredible to me. That correction could have made all the difference in this fight. Uh, Joff Neal is quicker than Vincente Luke, but if he wasn't hurting him regularly. This would have been a very different fight, and Luke just gave up, gave up every advantage that he could strategically, tactically. I'm, I'm honestly rather shocked that his team allowed that to happen. I didn't see any corrections in between rounds. That that part of it is incredible to me. Um, and then outside of that, uh, uh, Muhammad Usman picked up an underdog uh, knockout win over Zach Palga for the Ultimate Fighter. Juliana Miller looks like could be potentially a star in the making. She's a personality. Uh, I think 125 pounds. That was impressive. Sergey Spivak officially a heavyweight contender at this point. Mihal Olyanchek did what he was supposed to do to Sam Alvey, just ran through him. Glad he's at 185 now. Brian Battle got a knockout over Takashi Sado with a head kick. That was impressive stuff. Corey McKenna looked good. Mariana, Mario Buena Silva looked good. Terrence McKinney looked good. Dude, every fight, every fight was finished and stopped. And uh, outside of that, man, Amanda Nunes, Brandon Brano looked, looked fucking fantastic. Really, really impressive stuff a couple weeks ago. I know we didn't get to talk about this much. Um, if you quickly have an opinion on that one, Nick, and we can get out of here. Yeah, and Juliana Pena has been a little delusional following that fight. But if I uh, knew that Southpaw existed, she wouldn't be able to touch me. Bitch, you crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, like you know, uh, I'm glad. It just it, I'm uh, it opened up some new matchups, I suppose, at at 135, uh, advancing like weight what? for women. But like you what know, new matchups? I'm like I like the dominant champion. I like the return victory, GSP style. Um, to to get that one back, so I'm happy. I'm happy for Nunez and her. She's got that pop. I thought it was really messed up that Dana White was out there saying that it looked like she didn't have the killer instinct when you knock somebody down like five times in a fight. Um, well, I think his point was that you hurt her so many times, you should be able to finish her. But 
Juliana Pena has way too much heart, too much grit. She's extreme, kind of she's extremely durable, and Nunez <clears throat> and Nunez's Achilles heel is her gas tank. And when where yep. do we see people? Where do people gas out the most? Trying to finish. When people. they try to finish, yep, or get takedowns. Um, it's true. You're right. And and those so, are the ways for, with Pena. You either submit her. That's how she's been finished in the past. Or you just like you, you just outwork her over over three rounds. And Amanda Nunez, it was risky to go for submissions. She would have gotten tired. Risky to go for takedowns. She would have gotten tired. Um, and risky to go for the finish. I think you're making a very good point, actually. Moreno, like, listen, Moreno showed us all the reasons why we love him and why it's going to be hard for him to hang on to a strap. He's not, he's not, he's, he's a bite down on the mouthpiece guy. He's super creative and he's thoughtful, but sometimes he doesn't fight so smart, like the last, fig, the last Figueredo fight, and he takes a lot of damage. Um, but, like, but I don't want to say it was a Hail Mary liver kick, but I don't think anyone saw. Like, wait for it. Watch for the body kick. Like, I don't, you know, like, I don't. No, but uh, but, but he did, but he did go to the body prior to that. And, uh, and, and it was a well-placed kick. It's a finisher, man. Like, you throw that left body kick, your toes are going to land right in that lever, man. In most it was cases, per- it was, per- it was perfectly placed. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I'll probably still pick, pick Figueredo in a fourth fight. But, um, and a little bump for Kaikar of France here. Uh, but he's still going to be a top, a top guy. He may... You know, Kaikara France may have inherited the mantle from Joseph Benavidez. Yeah, I think you're right. We're the the, the almost could guy, yeah. But it's funny because Brandon Moreno like broke through and got that win over Figueroa. He could have been the Benavidez. Um, also Mexican descent, mind you, right? He could have been the Benavidez of this division had he not gotten that one win over Figueroa. Interesting. Well, that well, the big difference is, I mean, out. I guess Benavidez was kind of a, a finisher against lower competition, but like. I think Moreno's a higher level finisher than Joseph Benitez was. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, overall, I think you're right for sure. But here's the thing, Nick. It's close. We had a beer bet on Alex Morono, Matt Semmelsberger. Now, you did change the pick to Morono before the event started, but we still had that bet, Nick. You still owe me a beer. I think at the beginning of the next episode, you're going to chug yourself a brewski, Nick, because you got to honor these bets, Nikolai. This is too many bets lost. Don't I still owe you two dinners? I think you do. I'm glad you brought that up, Nikolai. So, so you're saying, regardless of where the economy currently is, you still owe me two dinners? Because it, oh, like, it seemed like that depended for a little while there. <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, I'm getting pretty beat up right now, but I will <laughs> get you two Taco Supremes. Get um, the fuck out of here. You're buying me dinner. You're buying me a drink, Nikolai. None of that cheap stuff. <laughs> all right. No, we'll, we'll, we, we will figure it out, but you are drinking a brewski at the beginning of the next episode. Because, Nick, I told you Alex Morona was going to do his thing against Matt Semmelsberger. Um, you, you don't value experience enough sometimes, Nick, and you underestimate a guy like Morono. Again, you did change your pick. I wonder what is it that made you change your pick to Morono from Semmelsberger before the event? Um, just Semmelberg. I mean, uh, Morono, just mostly Morono's recent wins. And occasionally, I, um, occasionally I, fa- I favor the fighter that needs to land the big shot when, I, when, I, when the likelihood of landing that big shot might not be as high as. I'd, yeah. I'd like to think. Yeah, like I said, Semmelsberger having so much trouble against AJ Fletcher, like Morono, Morono has, uh, you know, was going to have the edge there as an underdog. So that, that, that was a nice little money. And Morono's confidence, Morono's confidence since beating Cerrone, like you know, yeah. one could say anything about that victory, but what it's what it mean, what it, what did it mean to Morono? You yeah, know, only he know only he knows how he felt going into that fight, but it's he seems like a, a different guy since that win. Um, it's, it still takes somebody, I think, special to just run through uh, Cerrone. And we've seen um, multiple fighters not be able to run through this version of him, right? Like like Jim Miller had trouble and, and ended up uh, ended up uh, catching that submission in the second round. Um, some Somebody else who I, who I forget, uh, Nick something, um, went to a freaking draw decision with, with this version of Cerrone. So it's impressive for Morona to just slice through Cerrone in the way that he did. He's definitely improving that. Um, four to seven may has been good for this guy if no one else nikolai that will do it for this episode i am looking forward to connecting next week seeing if you were able to catch up with me a little bit here i took some risks on the on these underdogs chance i go own three on my dog picks right in which case you have you know you have all the space you need to 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 start to make up some room and we could be within 10 by next episode nothing it could be it could be i was looking for the next fight ufc uh on the 20th uh, UFC 278. We've got Usman Leon Edwards. Oh yeah. I feel like I should be more excited for that fight than I am. Um, I'm very curious about Paulo Costa, Luke Rockhold, the two least likable guys at middleweight. 
Tyson Pedro's back. Jose Aldo against Marab Defalchevili is really interesting. Yes. Marcin Tabura against Alexander Romanov is kind of interesting. Not as interesting as a Espino rematch. Um, uh, Miranda Maverick back on the card. Opening up the prelims, which seems weird to me, against Shana Young. But there's a... Uh... Jared Gordon, uh, Leonardo Santos is an intriguing matchup, if you ask me. The younger Figueredo brother is uh, fighting Amir Albazi. Looks like a real prospect. Sean yeah. Winston against Luis Saldana. Luis Saldana. Pretty interesting. It's a good fight, yeah. But dude, there, there's a there's a there's probably six or seven pretty decent fights on this one. Tyson Pedro's coming back against you know a jobber. Um, should be interesting, man. I'm, I'm, I, look, there's yeah, something. I don't know why Tyson to... Pedro's on the main card with some of these fights on the prelims. Because but... he, he's a large, like menacing-looking fighter and has tattoos, and, and he's fairly likable, uh, at least in, you know for those fans that know him. Also, if you look at the bottom of the card, we've got you know Daniel De Silva versus Victor Almanaro and Lucy Pudilova versus Yanan Wu. Yeah, I guess I would, put Miranda, I would put AJ Fletcher. These are like low-level fights. That yeah, but with no women on the main card, I probably would give Miranda Maverick the slot, but. I hear that, okay. but, but it's also kind of a gimme fight against Shayna Young, right? Like, Brandon Maverick, if she loses this fight, then she is not even close to the prospect we thought she was. So, like, it is kind of a gimme, but it is surprising it's so low on the card. I, I think, I thought the UFC wasn't, were the leavers of Maverick. I, I think they've shifted their focus um, onto uh, Aaron Blanchfield, who actually did beat her. But, yeah, um, this, should, this should be interesting. I mean, again, like, these cards, after a few really, really good, good cards now, like, they're looking kind of a little more porous for pay-per-view, this one could be better have these fights on the other, but we'll fight next time. That's right, I love to do, but...